is an honor to be here. It is also good to be here. I have been in this state for 12 years, and uh, sadly, three years after my arrival, uh, the levees broke in New Orleans. None of them were overtopped, and I remind people of that everywhere I go. Um, the levees were poorly designed, and they failed, and thus the city of New Orleans was flooded, including my church. So it has taken me longer to get here than what I had imagined that I would, and I appreciate Barbara's bringing it to my attention and uh, the opportunity. She came down a few a couple of months ago, a month ago, and uh, preached at Community Church in New Orleans, and it's good to return that and, and uh, be here today. And, um, and I love your building, folks. Wow, this is really a lovely spot. Uh, Y'all should be proud of yourselves, most proud of yourselves, and for those who went before you who also contributed much, I am certain, to this beautiful place of, for worship. So I studied world religions, and I must tell you, going in, that um, people often hear messages from me that um, are drawn from Hindu or Buddhist or Taoist sources, but this one comes because of the topic that we were engaged in studying. Um, we have themes at our church, and this theme uh, of vulnerability, when I looked at it, I said, how can that be? Why are we talking about vulnerability? That doesn't seem like a good place to go. The other themes were about joy and praise and uh, color, and the one that followed this was freedom, and there I got it. Sometimes you have to look at your vulnerabilities a little bit before you free yourself to become who you can be. And as I was thinking about the scriptures of the world, I was drawn to the story of Jonah. Jonah was a sensitive man. He was kind, compassionate, understanding the qualities we all hope to find in the men we know. He loved his quiet times. He had a good ear. He heard those around him and was easily influenced by their words. That is true. He was blessed with a great memory and quick to recall what people had said about him. He was a sensitive man. You will hear about Jonah today because biblical stories are filled with lessons. For many years, and this is looking back the history of some of the traditions we know, for many years people have personalized these stories out of the Bible. They hear the story and they ask, is that like me? Have I done that or something like that? Or 
What can I learn from this? This is why people have long gathered to hear the words of rabbis and priests and ministers. The story of Jonah is a story we can also personalize. It tells what can happen to people, to people like us that potentially lead to inner troubles, inner turmoil, and inner difficulty. In the Jewish tradition, there is an approach to scripture known as the Mishnah. These are the stories drawn from other scriptures, the oral tradition, and the conjecture of priests and rabbis. And it was in that tradition of the Mishnah that I discovered that Jonah had left his hometown and went to the temple in Jerusalem three times a year. And during one of those visits, a prophetic spirit spoke to Jonah. Let's step into this a bit so we can sense what happened. Jonah heard the bells ring on the day of Sukkot. And as he approached the temple, he heard beautiful music. And after the music, the priest spoke for a few moments, and then there was silence. Jonah slipped deeply into a spirit of silence and prayer. And mystics tell us that the spirit is more likely to approach those who will slip into such silence and such prayer. And as he sat there, the spirit said, Go to the north kingdom. Is this north? Is that north? Okay. Go to the north kingdom. Go to Judah and tell them God will take care of them. Now Jonah was dismayed. Inwardly he argued with the spirit. He said, they do terrible things in Judah. Don't you know the king is a murderer? Many are enslaved. O creator of the universe... Would you consider wiping them out? But the inner spirit repeated the same message. Tell them I will take care of them. Now those around Jonah had noticed his response during this time of prayer. And they went to Elisha. And Elisha anointed Jonah a prophet before he left the temple. And so when Jonah returned home, he decided to go to Judah. And with some misgivings, he told them they would prosper. And that is what happened. They were healthy, wealthy, their borders expanded, and Jonah was called a good prophet. Now that led his townspeople and his countrymen to visit him. 
They asked for his opinion on things like marriage partners or the purchase of a property, things like that. And that's what happened to Jonah for a number of years. But then Jonah returned to Jerusalem three times a year, the Mishnah says. And year after year he heard no voice, and they kept appearing and kept wanting to talk to Jonah. What did he have that he could share with them? Jonah was a good person prophet, and he knew it. But then, once again, on one of his pilgrimages to Jerusalem, Jonah heard the bells ringing. And once again, he heard the chorus lift their voices. And the priest spoke. And then as Jonah sat, the voice reappeared. And this time it said, go to the southern kingdom. Go to Israel. Tell them they have sinned and will be punished. Now the Midrash says Jonah liked this message. He had observed sins down there in Israel and he hurried after he left the temple and proclaimed to them you have sinned greatly and will be oh grab some Bible here grievously punished but something strange happened something quite unique the people in Israel believed Jonah And they changed their ways. And God was merciful to them. And there was no punishment. And what did Jonah hear then? Well, the people began to say, he's no prophet. His prediction did not happen. He's an imposter. Not a prophet, an imposter. And that made Jonah feel Poorly. He was vulnerable to what he had heard. He was exposed and unworthy. And he knew in his soul he was not a prophet. And he carried this diminished view of himself year after year, whether in Judah, Israel, or Jerusalem. People stopped asking for his opinions. Jonah wallowed in disillusionment. While he remained faithful to his God, although he wondered why the punishment for Israel had shifted, he slid deeply into questioning his abilities. For year after year, this went on. And then, after many visits to the temple where he heard no voices, he had another epiphany. As he approached the temple, once again he heard the ringing bells. 
And the chorus lifted their voices. priest spoke. The people sat in silence, shifting deeply into prayer. And Jonah, well, the voice reappeared, and it said, Go to Nineveh. Warn its people that judgment is coming. Nineveh, Nineveh, look, I'm not a prophet anymore. <laughs> Haven't you heard the news? Everybody says so. I don't even know why I'm hearing you, whoever it is that you are. And I do not want to go to Nineveh. But he heard it again. Go. Warn them. The Midrash tells us a boat for Tarshish had left the port, but it had returned because they had forgotten some sail slips. And Jonah applauded this stroke of luck. He saw it as a divine sign, and he boarded the boat. The Midrash also says that Jonah's boat was the only one affected by winds and rain. All the other boats were spared. Now, just so we know, Nineveh was northeast of Jerusalem. Nineveh was in what is now Iraq. And Tarshish was in the other direction. We do not know where it was exactly. Some place in North Africa. Some say it was in Spain, perhaps on the Atlantic coast of Spain. Others say that Tarshish was in India. Wherever it was, it was a long ways away from Nineveh, and that's where Jonah was going. So, now I come to the reading of this text. Again, I'd like to read for you Jonah chapter 1, after this little bit of an introduction. The Lord sent this message to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and give them this announcement from the Lord. I'm going to destroy you, for your wickedness rises before me. It smells to highest heaven. But Jonah was afraid to go and ran away from the Lord. He went down to the seacoast to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket, went on board, and climbed down into the dark hold of the ship to hide there from the Lord. But as the ship was sailing along, suddenly the Lord flung a terrific wind over the sea, causing a great storm that threatened to send them to the bottom. Fearing for their lives, this interesting story, you could take this one and have a lot of fun with it. The desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help, their gods. 
in plural, and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship, and all this time Jonah was sound asleep in the hold. So the captain went down after him. What do you mean, he roared, sleeping at a time like this? Get up, cry to your God, and see if he will have mercy on us and save us. The crew decided to draw straws to see which of them had offended the gods and caused this terrible storm. And Jonah drew the short one. So they were all looking at Jonah. (laughs) What have you done, they asked, to bring this awful storm upon us? Who are you? What is your work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? And he said, I am a Hebrew. I worship Jehovah, the God of heaven, who made the earth and sea. Then he told them he was running away from the Lord. Now the men were terribly frightened when they heard this. Oh, why did you do it? They shouted. What should we do to you to stop the storm? It was getting worse and worse. Throw me into the sea, he said, and it will become calm again. For I know the terrible storm has come because of me. They tried harder to row the boat ashore, but they couldn't make it. The storm was too fierce to fight against. And then they shouted out a prayer to Jehovah, Jonah's God. They prayed to Jonah's God, O Jehovah, Don't make us die for this man's sake, and don't hold us responsible for his death, for it is not our fault you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then they picked up Jonah and threw him overboard into the raging sea, and the storm stopped. The men stood there in awe before Jehovah, and they sacrificed to him and vowed to serve him. And now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. So ends the first chapter of Jonah. Now many wonder why this story about a big fish appears in the Jewish scriptures. There's been much conjecture about this. It doesn't seem like much of the other books that we find in the Bible. It is a tale, I believe, that is borrowed from older stories about a man being swallowed by a great fish. There's a Greek story It tells of Hercules being swallowed by a whale in Joppa, the very same town, and living for three days. Joseph Campbell compares Jonah to the Gilgamesh epic, drawing up a number of comparisons, too numerous to list here. Joseph Campbell, Jonah, you can check it out. And there was a Hindu story cut along similar lines. Let me read it to you just briefly. Definitely a much older story. 
There was once a king's daughter who would marry no one but the man who had seen the golden city of legendary fame. Now Shakti Deva was in love with this woman. So he went traveling about the world seeking someone who could tell him where this golden city was. In the course of his journeys, he embarked on board a ship bound for the island of Ushthala, where lived the king of the fishermen, who Shaktideva hoped would set him on his way. On the voyage, there arose a great storm, and the ship went to pieces, and a great fish swallowed Shaktideva whole. Then, driven by the force of fate, the fish went to the island of Ushthala, and there the servants of the king of the fishermen caught it, and the king, wondering at its size, had it cut open, and Shaktideva came out unhurt. So there were legends, and these legends were there. And this tale was amplified greatly in the Hebrew scriptures. Why? Why might this tale have appeared there and been amplified? Why is the book of Jonah in the Bible? I would hold out for you that it is there because it emphasizes human vulnerabilities. Just like Jonah... Many humans have times of questioning. The writers of this text knew about personal struggles. They had observed that slights, be it from parents or grandparents, be it from siblings or teachers or friends or lovers, that such slights could fuel people's self-doubt. They had also seen that such misguiding opinions could magnify, magnify the vulnerabilities of many people, making their lives more difficult than what they needed to be. The words invite people, these words invite us to a spiritual journey done by reworking our self-image. A human being has so many skins inside covering the depths of the heart. We know so many things, but we don't know ourselves. Why, 30 or 40 skins or hides as thick and hard as an ox's or a bear's cover the soul said Meister Eckhart. They cover the soul. What Eckhart is saying is that we all have layers of understanding and misunderstanding. And these layers cover our purest self, our untainted essence. We think here, when we think of pure self, of inherent worth and dignity of us all. The spiritual path, my fellow 
Unitarian Universalist involves finding and reconnecting with the depths of spirit we hold within us. Go into your own ground and learn to know yourself there, says Eckhart. So I invite you today to take some of that time. I invite you to a life review. Reassessment, while difficult, is a major part of the spiritual journey. There are times, and we find such times, to reassess. It is a step we take, resting fully within the spirit of love. The sensitivity of Jonah was lost when he listened to others, we recall. And that listening to others affected what he was hearing in his heart. Our task is to hear our heart speak. For this is where each of us as individuals is unique and has special talents and abilities that are available not only for you as an individual, but also for those around you. Hear your heart speak. Listen to its voice. And if in that listening some old mistakes come up, forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. Get on with what you need to do as you look forward, being the best you can possibly be. As the Buddha said, if your compassion does not include yourself, it is incomplete. So here are a few questions you might consider. Have you ever been shaped, shaped, and formed by criticisms you receive from others. Do those old opinions work? Did they ever work? Do they still work? Are they legitimate or not? Are there any old unwarranted narratives you can and perhaps should discard. The source of your discomforts should make no difference to you because your call, your call here in this sanctuary, in this holy place of spiritual discovery has been and will be to grow and to develop into a finer, more mature, more sensitive, more caring and compassionate example of a life that you have chosen, have chosen and pledged to live well. May the love in your hearts 
Find love in the hearts of those around you. Namaste. Namaste.